1: Second hour of Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Wade, Jeff Howe, with you. Our producer Cameron Parker, alongside as well. Glad to have you with us.
0: Hey, Craig, I found that story I was telling you about during a break about the Malaysian dude. Oh, is that
1: really? We're well, coming worth... up on the
0: twenty-year mark of that. That was July thirteenth, two thousand three, when the Associated Press reported that.
1: What is I, this? I guess this could be. Uh... I started to say lopped. Uh, that'll be yours. <laughs> lumped. Lumped. That's the Freudian slip, yeah, sir. Lumped into the category of cleanup from our number one. From uh, yeah, Cam. Conceivable. It back in
0: 2003. This was a big Jim Rome uh, yeah. thing he propped up. Four, 34-year-old dude. Just got out of drug rehab. I took some hallucinogenic pills. Woke up hearing voices. The voices told him to lop off his unit Mm. and then uh i'm gonna give everybody five seconds to turn down your car radio or earmuffs or whatever the voices also told him to uh prepare it and devour it and he did didn't realize what he had done until apparently he told the cops he saw according this according to the ap saw blood oozing from his crotch
1: nope please stop I mean, it's a short AP
0: story, but yeah. no yeah. word on yeah. uh, what happened to the dude thereafter. But, yeah. Yeah, okay.
1: It's rough, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, other cleanup from our the
0: Malaysian one. pill form like, bath salts or something. Yeah. I don't know. Uh,
1: it's rough. Other cleanup from hour number one, Bevo Lance Jason saying that, you know, uh, talking about the deal about the lady, uh, you know, taking the removed meniscus from her surgically repaired knee and then cooking it. In a bolognese, she said that he said that's in the realm of people cooking the placenta. I've heard of this after childbirth, as it's full of nutrients. How does that work? I'm, I'm asking another. I'm I'm just full of dumb
0: questions today. How does that work? Well, you would cooking ask placenta. You
1: would ask for it, and then you cook it. Well, how do you prepare it though? Well, that one I can't help you with. Okay. But but it says look it up. There are receipts online for it. But a complete hard pass for me. Yeah.
0: That was I'm, not uh, that was not done in the way household when your children were
1: no. brought into this world. No, but I did see my cat licking up the placenta one time after giving kittens. Jeez, <laughs> oh, they do that, you know. Yeah, they do that. Yeah, so I did see that uh, once. Yeah, that happened. As Baker's Brisket Company says, thanks losing my lunch now. Yeah, uh, Elio says I'm in the clear now since I bought my waffle maker at HEB. Good on you, because that was we we're talking about the waffleizer. If you own a waffleizer. Waffleizer—it's probably going to be recalled. Four hundred fifty-six thousand, because it's apparently just
0: spewing
1: like hot. Sounds magma. like something
0: a Spider-Man villain would own. Yeah, it's
1: like waffleizer. hot, hot magma. Like Doc Ock with the it's waffleizer. What it is. A waffleizer. Uh, somebody said there went my breakfast. Yeah, uh, shouldn't it not be goo if it's hot? It would be cooked, right? What if it's not cooking it properly all the way through, and then it just mm. starts spewing at you? So somebody says, no milk, Craig. So what, Rod Babers doesn't drink milk either? Uh,
0: that I don't know. That I can't answer. I don't know. Okay. I just know. I knew about Rod not eating vanilla ice cream. I know he doesn't like white condiments, yep. and he's yeah. never eaten at a Waffle House.
1: Yeah. Uh, Somebody said, Jeff, why don't you surprise Charlotte one day by making her a grilled cheese in the waffle maker? You know what? Uh, We had a panini press,
0: and I think we got rid of it during one of the moves. And the wife and I are talking about it. I think we're gonna reinvest in a panini press okay, to go make some damn good sandwiches. Thank you I prefer to make a grilled cheese on either a cast iron just the flat mm-hmm. skillet mm-hmm. or the actual skillet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um thanks to the uh I I, the, I couldn't think of the phrase. You're right. It's an oxymoron. That's yeah. what we were saying earlier. By the way,
0: I made uh did some steaks last week in the cast iron skillet. Yeah. It's one of those deals where, well, I bought me some nice you know, strip New York strips from HEB, and it was one of those deals where uh, I left it because I had it on kind of lowish heat, and then went to go like, oh, I need to go do something for work, and then I'm in my office and I'm like, dude, what's burning? And I'm oh, like, oh no. no! So I like just destroyed. My wife had a great steak; mine were charred. They looked a little thirsty. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> when they were when I was done with them. So I had uh, presented to me for dinner last night. Not a bolognese with a meniscus. No, no. It was a smothered pork chops in brown gravy. I love pork chops. Yeah, man. yeah. And were and, you being a gravy whore last oh, night? Oh, was I ever? <laughs> I told her that too. She laughed about it. I said, "Yeah, yeah." That's, I said, "It's because of gravy like this, you know." So, geez, do you, do you own a curve. gravy boat, Craig? Yes.
0: Do you yes. ever do you ever make lunches randomly? Like, hey, why don't you get the gravy boat and fill that thing up? <laughs>
1: no. <with> some brown <laughs> gravy. <laughs> you throw down some gravy there. I like all gravy. Just randomly. I you I like all gravy. I like I like cream gravy for chicken fried steak. Random I like gravy. I like uh, the giblet gravy for the sausage turkey. gravy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm about all of that stuff. You
0: know, you you know what uh, you know who had good gravy. Leavenworth Cafe in Omaha had good gravy.
1: Oh yeah. It did. Yeah. And of course it did, but it closed down because they had the dish called the Robert E. Lee, which had a lot of gravy in it, by the way. That was a gravy thing. Mm-hmm. But they offered, they offered actually to take that off the menu, and then the people who were demanding change wanted more reparations and things of that nature, and then the owner said, you know, I don't care what side of the, the up, debate
0: uh, you're on there. That was, that was one delicious meal. <laughs> and I for, one, I, for one, was not thrilled to go back to Omaha and have it not be an option.
1: Somebody asked me, what would be your last meal? You know, it might not be something with gravy. It might be what what she made for me for breakfast yesterday—blueberry pancakes and link sausages. Might be that. I don't know. I don't know. What's
0: like the be- we're talking about Waffle House? What's like the best chain restaurant pancakes? Like, are you a big fan of like IHOP or you know your chain breakfast uh, places?
1: Well, it, de- it, it depends on how large a chain you're talking
0: about. Like Kirby about. Lane is a chain. You yeah, they, they have a good pancake.
1: Listen, original pancake house. There's only one location here in Austin. It's up on Palmer, mm-hmm. and it's fabulous.
0: What does Cracker Barrel do to their pancakes that makes them taste so damn good?
1: Crack? No, uh, well, I, I don't, don't know. know. It must be, I don't know. man. It's good. I don't know. It's, it's really good, Yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, Yeah. That's, so there's there is that. Uh, CB, I knew this was coming. The giblet and giblet pronunciation is akin to the gif or jif. I say giblet and gif. Some say jif. Uh Somebody, uh, Beaver Lance Jason, asking you, Jeff, did you go reverse steer method on those steaks? I went. Uh, I went beef jerky method on the steaks. There you That's go. Ice cream Maine says Craig has a pontoon gravy boat. But I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I'm
0: gonna get a. Uh, I'm gonna get a do over though. I just got. I just distracted myself. I just got to make sure I get my undivided attention to the skillet.
1: Uh, here's a little tease. Now, Jeff may not have planned this, but even even if he doesn't have something, and I know he will, but even if he doesn't, I'll have something to say about it in our longhorn notebook at the bottom of the hour uh, when we uh, when. Uh, the texter said, say, after all the threats of transfers or NBA draft, uh, is the men's team back complete? We'll get to a little bit of that with men's basketball when we get to the bottom yeah, of the Yeah, I hour. got a couple nuggets. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought you would. Uh, meanwhile, I want to go back to baseball uh, with uh, Texas winning its share of the regular season title. And, again, for, for those who are um, – you know, wondering about this or kind of struggling about this and have asked us, why are there three trophies? What is the tiebreaker, the way that works? Totally understand that. No problem with it. During um, the, They play 24 games in a conference season. Next year, by the way, playing 30. 30. Final year of the Big 12 for Texas and Oklahoma next year, 13 teams will be play, fielding baseball teams. And they will play... 10 of the other 12 on on the schedule. 10 of the 12. And out of the 10 of the 12, uh, you will play 30 conference games next year. But it's been 24 for several years. The I, I would also submit to you that it's going to take some doing for a team winning percentage-wise to beat the 2010 Texas baseball team for best winning percentage ever in Big 12 play. They went 24-3 and three that year. Uh, It'd be be difficult. I think they were 889, the winning percentage for that. But they're going to a 30-game schedule, so we'll see uh, next year for the conference. But they play 24. Best winning percentage uh, is is the way that that works out. The best winning percentage in conference play. And the reason that that is an important differentiation is because of rainouts. And sometimes you just don't... Uh, get all of your games uh, played uh, in in a conference season. And uh, so it's, it's important to have winning percentage. And here's the example that I'm using for that this year. Um, the example is Grand Canyon and Sam Houston went hammer and tong all the way down the stretch. And on the last weekend of the regular season, Sam Houston lost two out of three to Tarleton. Grand Canyon ended up uh, sweeping its series and by one half game. Grand Canyon won the whack, twenty-two and seven to twenty-two and eight. Grand Canyon had a game rained out and you can't make them up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So Grand Canyon, Texas won a Big Twelve championship one year. Like that. <laughs> was that
0: was that the year the uh, the shortened game in Norman.
1: I think so, yeah. yeah. Well, they ended up by a half game yeah. over Oklahoma, went 19-7, and seven, and the Sooners went 19-8. and eight. The best example I've ever heard of that, historically, was told to me by none other than the fabulous, the great Bill Little, who uh, was a student at UT at the time, mm-hmm. and in 1961, I believe it was, they're playing Baylor, and... They had a game and a half lead, I think. Baylor won the first game, and then uh, they're they're in Waco, and the lead is down to a half game, or, or Baylor had actually taken a half game lead. Texas won game two, and they went up by a half game, and there was supposed to be one more game played, but there was a Big Twelve, not Big Twelve Southwest Conference rule back then. You could not play during final exam period. So it had to get done like on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And the old Farrell Field in Waco had no lights. And it was getting dark. And it was getting dark and too dark to play the game. They were supposed to do a doubleheader, I guess yeah. it was. And they were going to play this one more game, except it got too dark. And so Texas is walking off the field because they know they've got the Southwest Conference title. And the old Baylor coach went going, and they said, "Let's go down the road to the Dutton Street Park because it's got lights." <laughs> and there was no no there was no rule that said they had to do that. So Texas was like, "No, we're not doing that." And and so they were all upset about it. And uh, a young reporter for the Daily Texan uh, went up to uh, Bib Falk and said, "Coach, coach, are you uh, blah blah blah." And he said, "No, it's over. We won." And he said, "Well, coach, so and so Baylor said that you could." Now, go down to the Dutton Street Park and play, and they had lights down there. Are you going to do that? He said, nope, I'm going to bleep, and then I'm going to go home. <laughs> now, that young reporter did not write that in the Daily Texan. What he wrote was, I'm going to eat, and then I'm going to go home. I don't know That's why that me said. so much. But... I'm going to bleep, and then I'm going to go home. That's Bib Falk. That young reporter's name was Harvey Little, the older brother of Bill Little. And now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> Texas won it by one half game. Can I sign
0: off from the from the show that way from now on? I'm bleep uh, and then go, I'm going to go, go home. home.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So so anyway, it, it, that's why it's important to play the full schedule. But for those who didn't know the the way that that whole schedule uh, worked, they played 24 games. Texas went 15 and 9 because they swept West Virginia. West Virginia went 15 and 9 and Oklahoma State went 15 and 9. So they are all considered conference champions. All three schools get a trophy as Big 12 Conference champions. The tournament is a separate thing. It's a conference tournament. It's a separate trophy for it. I always thought that the conference championship trophy tournament, I liked it better than the conference regular no, season trophy. No, I like the regular season better. It looks like a toilet seat. The big bowl. Yeah, yeah no, I it like looks that. like you could pull a bib fork on that deal, right? In that deal. <laughs> It looks like a toilet seat.
0: I just like, I'll, for some reason, the image of, like, it seemed like a couple years when Oklahoma won it, they were they won it and they went to the Orange Bowl yeah. and just filling that thing with oranges. just yeah. that
1: imagery. I just thought that was pretty cool. You see Kansas lining them all up at Allen Fieldhouse in basketball. It just looks like there's one long barracks of toilet seats there. But the the conference tournament trophy, now that's pretty cool. It kind of looks like Superman's Fortress of Solitude where you, yeah, put, you put the you ice that, crystals yeah. in there. That's, that, that before. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But anyway, it's a separate event than, than the regular season. So there's two separate trophies. And so you play for a conference tournament. So how do you determine the seeding when three teams tie? How did they do against one another? Well, they went round robin. Texas lost to Oklahoma State, but as we know, they just swept West Virginia. Oklahoma State beat Texas but lost to West Virginia. West Virginia beat Oklahoma State but lost to Texas. So all that's even. The next thing, what were what was your record in the head-to-head against the other two? Texas went four and two because of the sweep. Oklahoma State went three and three. West Virginia went two and four. That's why Texas is seated first. That's why Oklahoma State is seated second. That's why West Virginia is seated third. It's as simple as that. Now, to the uh, school, to the uh, players who are a big part of this for Texas, uh, that in. Uh, on what I accidentally uh, X'd out of, my, uh, out of my, my list that I sent the game. I've got it now. All right, uh, so th- th- here's some of the thoughts. We talked about the uh, uh, what what the long went in the last hour. We got a chance to uh, hear from Garrett Gilmet and Eric Kennedy and Jack O'Dowd. This was Dylan Campbell with uh, Roger Wallace down on the field after the game.
2: Fun, another celebration here. Another celebration today oh yeah it was great um I mean, we knew it was that state coming into it i'm just proud of the guys proud of the team just to show what we're made of and you know knowing what's at stake and being able to come through was just huge huge for us first innings uh, were big
3: thursday night you get the bunt to load the bases and then a couple of rocket doubles uh, how locked
2: in were you and this team uh early on in these games oh, i mean that was that was just a great amount of focus and we showed it in the first inning um just coming out strong make uh, You know, trying to make a statement early and, um, you know, just show them that we're ready to play. And uh, we knew, I mean, they're a good team. We knew that. But we know whenever we're playing our game that we we can't be beat. I saw Coach
3: gather you guys right after the win last night and and have a quick chat. I saw you talking to the guys before
2: uh, this one. What was the the message going in uh, knowing what was at stake? just to treat it like another game honestly um because if you treat it anything like anything else then it's gonna kind of come back to bite you so we just came into it like it was another sunday game and uh you know came out with a victory so it was good
3: you not only have this hit streak record but you've done it in huge games in the second half of a season where you uh, now have a, a big 12 regular
2: season championship how satisfying is that for you to be able to deliver night in and night out Uh, I think it just goes to, like, the focus about winning. And if you're trying to win, then, you know, the team comes together as a whole and, like, anybody can come out and be hot at any time. So, um, yeah, I feel like if we just focus on winning, then everybody's going to have success and they want to be in the moment, then it's going to be huge for them.
3: Yeah, a lot of holes to fill from from last year's club that ended up at Omaha. You and EK and and Mitch, three, Lucas, uh, uh, guys like that. How big was it to see these young guys or transfers come in, mesh, develop, and, and be part of another team that a couple of guys have told me, yeah, people thought this might be a rebuilding season for Texas.
2: Oh, I mean, it's huge just seeing young guys out there on the field each and every day, like JT and Jalen, and uh, Jaden was in there today, but I mean, it's huge. They're stepping up, and they really haven't experienced an atmosphere like this, but being a part of it in the lineup. So, I mean, it's huge for this year and this season, but also for the future of the program for those guys being here the next two years after this. I mean, they, they got some great experience, and uh, you know, it's going to keep getting better and keep growing.
1: Mm-hmm. Dylan Campbell, 33-game hitting streak, 39 consecutive games reaching base safely. And quietly, by the way, Jared Thomas uh, has a 10-game hitting streak and has reached base in 25 consecutive games. I say quietly because so much attention obviously focused on uh, the hitting streak for Dylan Campbell, but um, there it is uh, for that. Uh, There was also the, the motivation, as I mentioned, with regard to this team, about what happened. And it apparently rolls back to the uh, first game of the doubleheader against San Jose State. Longhorn's let that lead get away in the eighth inning. They ended up losing 6-4. to Uh, Lucas Gordon referenced that as part of his conversation with Roger Wallace.
3: Tone center for you, Lucas, and then you just become the biggest cheerleader. What was, uh, first of all, your night like on Thursday, and then to watch your guys go do their thing the last two games? Uh-huh.
4: So, like you said, my, uh, my job is to set the tone and then uh, become a cheerleader. So uh, try to become the best cheerleader I can, kind of give them some pointers on uh, how to throw to some guys some things I see and uh, watch them do their thing.
3: And to watch your offense started with your start, got the got the quick runs, and then uh, just kept rolling through. How mm-hmm. how big was that to watch your offense go to work?
4: Well, I think we've we've. I mean, this is we really grow. We really grew this uh, this uh, series, and um, to watch them not give
3: give away one ab and just to compete and grind the whole time was really special. What's it been like to watch Tanner's uh, comeback and to see his outing today and and to see his progress knowing what he's had to go through the last 14 months?
4: Well, you guys know that's my boy. I've known him since I was 14 years old, so... um... Kind of to, to be there. He's been there through my downs and, and to be there through his uh, surgery and uh, it's not so fun part of life was uh, It's very special. And it's now it's special to watch him come back and, and do what he's doing.
3: Right on. See you in Arlington. See you in Arlington.
1: Yeah, Tanner Witt will be in Arlington too. The aforementioned Tanner Witt who went three scoreless innings, 44 pitches, uh, and did not allow a uh, run, one hit, one walk. And uh, Tanner on his road back as he visited with Roger.
3: Yeah, Craig was going through some of the early highlights, some of the early. How big, first of all, was it to see your offense
5: uh, put that four on the board in the bottom of the first? You know, they were big all weekend, um, and I know it was huge for me to see that in the first inning. Um, you know, a lot of pitchers don't like to wait around in between innings, but if they're going to keep scoring, I'll wait all day. Um, so it was huge for us. It was awesome. Tell me
3: what it's been like, the the news way back after Alabama and, and the rehab and then knowing that, that you're going to have to be very limited but get back, uh, in Fort Worth, what has this ride been like for you?
5: It's a roller coaster. That's the best I can describe it. Um, there's ups, there's downs, um, but, you know, my teammates were with me the whole way through it. Uh, my coaches were with me the whole way through it, um, which helps so much. They don't, I don't think they realize how much of a difference they make. Um, so it was, it was a roller coaster, but we're, we're, we're getting going up the top, so uh, we're going to keep it rolling up there. You, you know,
3: watching you uh, every game when you knew you weren't going to play for a while and, and you were there cheerleading with the best of them, do you think your, your quality – helps you get through moments like this. You didn't seem to be too down, at least not outwardly.
5: No, absolutely. You know, I think from a young age, uh, my parents did a really good job of having me always look for the good in things. Um, so when I went down, I was always trying to look for the good. Um, and, you know, I got to I got to watch a pretty cool season last year. Um, you know, a lot of history. I got to watch, you know, arguably the best college baseball season ever. Um, so, I mean, that, that was awesome for me. Just finding little victories, small victories throughout the whole process. Um, and I, I think that was huge for me.
3: Tell me what it's like from start to start. This was your fourth. What do you feel during
5: the week, and do you feel things progressing each week? Yeah, I mean, it's a roller coaster, like I said. There's ups, there's downs. Um, some days I wake up feel great. Some days not as great. Um, so you got to listen to the arm. Um, and the coaches and uh, the training staff here have been huge with that. Um, they understand that the health is the most important thing. Well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to stay healthy and, and give the team the best chance to win. Um, so it's a mixture of both, um, and it's been a great mixture. To give them three shutout innings
3: in a championship game, uh, win or take all, as far as you guys are concerned, there's got to be some satisfaction
5: there. No, I mean, obviously this, the, the team came up huge. You know, we knew what was at stake this weekend, um, and we answered. Uh, with everything that's happened this season, we've answered. Um, we always say the biggest strength of our team is the team itself, um, and I think, you, I think you saw it this weekend.
1: Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, like I said, the, the guys referred to uh, that, that – loss at San Jose against San Jose State. Uh, Garrett Gilmet talked about it. Eric Kennedy, told me he said it didn't sit well with us. And that made me think about something else. In between games of that doubleheader, I I went down to the clubhouse uh, to do a pregame interview uh with David Pierce before game 2. And um we get to talk and we're doing this was all recorded. It it aired. Uh and 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 I asked I asked him, you have a little more time in between game one and game two of this doubleheader than you normally have when it's just 45 minutes between because this was a uh, rain-anticipated, constructed doubleheader. So there was a little more time. There was about an hour and a half. And I asked him, uh, does that call for some more conversation? Do you approach it differently? And he looked me plain and on, he said on. Uh, he said, they've got to figure that out they have to figure that out. There's there's things and 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 lo and behold, if they didn't go and do it, they kind of figured it out in the clubhouse. Now, that's players taking control of the team. That's also coaching. Understanding when the guys have to figure out some things and you give them the tools and then they go and figure it out. So, that was that, that came to my mind when all that. And speaking of David Pierce, the conversation he had with Roger.
3: Well, uh, when that You said you can't sweep without winning the first one, then the second one, then the third one. Just the emotion of what you guys pulled off this weekend.
6: It's unbelievable. I mean that's a dang good team, a really good team. Coming in here with a lot of confidence and you know, a lot of people uh, you know, even kinda question things we do and you know, getting swept by OU and then going I think ten and three after that and some just tough environments on the road and then you know I'm just so proud, proud of our team and just they never listened to the distractions, never gave in and uh they just played so hard for each other. I mean, we kind of went from the impossible to the improbable to the champions, and that's a that's a great feeling for our team. What's it say for your guys? Three straight games, right out of
3: the gates, you jump on their their pitching and really put the pressure on them.
6: Our guys work. And they just their prep, not only with their swings and, and, their, and their work defensively, but studying video and understanding what we're going to face. And I think they're growing. I mean, and, and they're confident right now. That lineup that we're putting out there right now is very confident and um, kind of do a great job of passing the bat and each guy doing their job. I mean, we did a really good job early in the short game and, and then a big hit. And just – I, I, I'm kind of lost of words right now. I'm I just really just thrilled to, to, to be the coach to these guys and to be a part of this and just so proud of them. To
3: look at the progress of so many of these guys from Arlington, a kid like Jared Thomas, I mean, you guys told us how good he could be. Took some lumps early on. He's going to hit uh, 340 going into the Big 12 tournament.
6: Yeah, he's something. And uh, he's just continued to grow and continue to learn from older guys and stay within himself and learn himself. Um, just, a, a, just a very determined young man. And, you know, you see the same thing with Flo. I mean, Jalen had a good series, uh, and he's growing. A little later than JT, but he's growing. and. You know i think it's a lot to do with our leadership in the clubhouse as well where you know they take them under their wing and understand this is the culture and this is how we work and uh it paid off it, it paid off and then your your bolt been grinded it out <laughs> that's right you know and i talked to kobe and that's a tough one because he was put in a tough situation and it wasn't because he walked the guy he just had a lot of big misses and you know it just just needed to happen right then he's got to just grow from that and be ready to bounce back because we're going to need him in the tournament but zane does a nice job of uh, getting four outs and then charlie coming in and, and really wanted the baseball and made some pitches there on with the sinker to get the double play and just heck of a job i mean we just it's not always easy it's never easy um uh, we've we we face a lot of adversity we face uh you know some really tough competition, but they never back down. And now they're the number one seed and they're champions of the Big 12. Yeah,
3: and, and your guy Tanner, with the
6: progression he made and what a, what a game for his best command. Yeah, no doubt. Three shutout, out, and then uh, we got two out of Shaw. And Travis wasn't as sharp, but he got us through and got us to the next guy. Appreciate it, David. Congratulations. Thanks a lot, Raj.
1: So there it is, uh, hearing from players and from the head coach. There. Uh, they have a workout this morning, and then they're uh, on their way to Arlington this afternoon. All the teams head up to Arlington. They will have uh, team practices tomorrow on the field uh, at Globe Life Field. And uh, the tournament begins Wednesday morning at 9 o'clock. Uh, I'll be up there. Uh, Jeff will be up there a little later in the week. I'll be up there tomorrow uh, with uh, – My side of the show And Jeff will be here With his side of the show So we'll have that uh, For you tomorrow Up next We'll have a Flex 30 update And a Longhorn Notebook When we continue With Light the Tower On the Horn 104.9 101.9 AM 1260 We're live, local, and digital On the Horn app And at hornfm.com Light the Tower With Craig West And Jeff Howe For the person on the Specs text line who asked why did David call Roger Rice? Is it his hair? <laughs> no, he did not call him Rice. He called him Raj. Thanks, Raj. Thanks, Rice. <laughs> Thanks. It's like, was it? That's Johnny Jerry Finkbeiner, the basketball women's coach at Oral Roberts. Gray. Gray? I had another deal like that years years ago when I was working at KRLD when I used to really get Mailed out press releases to you mm-hmm. in the pre-internet days. I had a deal that come to me, with, and by then I think I can't remember if if Brad Sham was still there or not. Uh, yeah, he, he he it was uh, it was for for Brad. It was a piece of mail, and it said it was n- made out to Fred Shaw, <laughs> who's Fred Shaw? We don't have Bretcha, Brad Bretcha, Brad Fretcha, Fretcha, Fred, Fred Shaw. Somebody went from Brad Sham to Fred Shaw. That's where it was. So quite the jump. Yeah. So anyway, no, It's he didn't call him Rice. He called him Raj. Did you call him Fred from now on after that? <laughs> I should have. Absolutely. That's uh, fine. Okay. Uh, let's get a Flex 30 update here. Flex ATX. For the best high school sports coverage, listen to the horn and go to FLXATX.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit BrainVault.com and join the movement. And then the number of area teams dwindled. And that includes in baseball, as you got a chance to see and call. A uh, spirited turnaround and comeback for the Westlake-Chefroles against the Round Rock Dragons over the weekend.
7: Yeah, there's two matchups featuring uh, four Centex teams, and unfortunately that means Cedar Park and Round Rock no longer playing in the playoffs for Westlake. And Round Rock, a great series, Craig. Two top ten teams. It it was a shame that these two teams met so early in the playoffs considering they're probably probably worthy of going to state. But uh, Round Rock won the first game on a walk-off by... Hudson Ellis after Travis Sakura pitched an absolute gym. His last start for Round Rock was possibly one of the best against a really good Westlake lineup, but the Shaps pitching came through in game two. and game three, Nathan Duvall had some incredible stuff. Jack Brady went a complete seven games, and looking at the box score, Round Rock had the same number of hits as Westlake did in both games two and three, but just couldn't score any runs, and then at the end of the day, Westlake just didn't make as many mistakes, so congrats to the Shaps. They continue on. Um, I believe they're playing I'm going to check this credit. Eagle playing Pass. Eagle Pass, who Swept O'Connor. So that'll be a fun series uh, for Westlake and for Round Rock up. Yeah, just an incredible season for Coach Carter, winning a district championship 14-0. And unfortunately, their season comes to an end.
1: As it did for Lake Travis. Yes. Dropping against, games two and three against Johnson.
7: Yeah, um, kind of like Round Rock. They won game one. But overall, I mean, Johnson, their lineup is just absolutely loaded. Uh, they're a top-ten-ranked team in the state. And they'll probably face Westlake, I'm guessing, in the region finals. After next week, with both teams advance, that'll be fun because Ten Antonio Johnson may have the best lineup one to nine out of this, the the out of their region, but we'll see for them. And then Cedar Park and, and Rouse, um, talked to the Rouse coaches actually, they were there on Saturday's game three. They went, uh, didn't start calling Corral. he actually came out of the bullpen but got the win. Uh, a real back and forth game, Rouse came came back and and took the lead in the sixth inning and didn't look back. So a huge upset victory for Rouse, who lost both their games at Cedar Park in the district season.
1: Georgetown had its season brought to yeah. so a conclusion as well. So the Phoenix state champs knocked that. And I didn't see Taylor, did it? Number
7: did 10, it? Taylor sweet, baby.
1: How the about Taylor that? Ducks, yeah. How about the Ducks?
7: For Georgetown, Craig, Coach Villar, just a really young team. Uh, they won state last year, of course, a really young team, a good season. But, but they're a program that in the next couple of years, they're going to be back to where they were last year.
1: All right. Uh, so in baseball, obviously we're keeping an eye on Westlake and Taylor and Rouse. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So and, and yeah, yeah. All right, all right. There it is. There's your uh, flex 30 update. Let's uh, move right forward into our Longhorn notebook. Jeff, Howe's Longhorn notebook?
0: Craig, let's go to college basketball. Mm-hmm. We got asked about the portal earlier. Mm-hmm. Two guys that we can talk about now, as far as targets for Texas. It's. I think it's easier to talk about Cam Spencer from Rutgers, who is a graduate transfer. Uh, he's a, you know Texas we've heard Rodney Terry say when he's been asked about what do they want to add and I don't think he's it's just lip service I think this is really what they're looking to add guard play they really want to shore up their backcourt Cam Spencer you got a 6-4 uh 200 plus pound guard shoots it really well average 13 a uh, little over 13 points a game for Rutgers this past season shot over 43% From three point range. He's a 40 plus percent uh, career three point shooter. Uh, Started out at Loyola, Maryland. Loyola, Maryland played at uh, Rutgers last season. So he's a grad transfer. He's got one year left. Uh, He's a guy that Texas is very interested in. It's easy, like I said, it's easier to talk about Cam Spencer than the other guy. The other guy's Caleb Love from North Carolina. Hmm. So this could be. You know, Michigan's loss could be Texas' gain. I kid, the interesting thing with Caleb Love, he was all set to go to Michigan. This is two off-seasons in a row, by the way. This has happened to Michigan. It happened yeah. to him last uh, year with TJ, with T.J. Shannon, transferred from Texas Tech. He was going to go to Michigan, and then he ended up going to Illinois because there was an admissions issue. Uh, the same deal happened with Caleb Love, all set to go to Michigan, and then there was an admissions deal. So he's back on the market now. There's There's a real chance he ends up at Texas. The thing with Caleb Love, uh, extremely productive player. Craig, I know you pay attention to a lot of ACC basketball. Yep. Extremely productive player mm-hmm. for Hubert Davis at North Carolina this past season: sixteen point seven points per game, uh, three point seven rebounds, two point eight assists. What uh,
1: did his shooting percentage wind up? at?
0: That's the thing that I, th- I'm wondering how it's going to uh, how it's going to mesh with you know if you if you look at the guys that Texas would have in the backcourt with Max Asmus with Tyrese Hunter, Kendall Weaver playing a kind of a backup role and I think looking into the 24-25 20, season, him taking on a bigger role, uh, how would it work? But Matt, uh, Caleb Love, 29.9% from
1: three. Yeah, he year. went through a massive slump, as did all the Tar Heels, during that big slump that they had. Yeah. And everybody kept looking to him, and he was he was missing a lot of shots. But the
0: year before,
1: yeah, it was 36% from three. That's why I think it's important to Look at the the full yeah. body of work there. Yeah, so you look
0: at his career, he's, you know, career numbers are going to show he's a, a 30, between 31 and 31.7, so basically 32% three-point shooter. Uh, if he can get that right, if he can be closer to what he was in that 21-22 season as opposed to last year, then not only do you have a really productive guy, but if you get a productive guy who's an efficient shooter, uh, now you're talking about does Texas have the best backcourt in the country at that point? Because I mean, fi- find me find me three better guards than Caleb Love, Max a. Smith, and Tyrese Hunter.
1: You might be hard pressed.
0: Very hard pressed to find three better guards. So I-, I think Craig at that point is probably de- pro- definitely the best backcourt in the Big Twelve at that point. Now, I haven't looked all up and down at what everybody's going to return, and uh, I know there's been some transfers, but that's why adding Caleb Love. It's a it's it's a very intriguing, the, the potential there, let me say that, the potential there for that addition is extremely intriguing. I also think when you talk about adding another front court piece with some versatility, the name, I brought it up on the show last week, and we'll see if he stays in the draft. It sounds like he's more likely to go back to school than stay in the draft. But Arthur Coloma from Creighton is yeah. one of those guys that, man, I just, if you could get him, I love him in that Timmy Allen role. But those are really kind of the three guys at this point. I think Arthur Kaluma, depending on what he does, Caleb Love, and Cam Spencer from Rutgers. I think those are the three guys right now for Texas that if you're looking at how is Rodney Terry going to fill this out, I think any combination of those three, uh, the staff would give it two big thumbs up and roll on into RT's first full season as the head coach feeling really good about what they've got.
1: All right, uh, there it is. our. Uh, Flex 30 update followed by our Longhorn notebook. Jeff and I will be back to wrap up today's edition of Light the Tower on the Horn. 1049-1019-AM1260 We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com Okay, done for today, and thus the busy week begins Jeff and I will both be on the bar Jeff will be here in the ARN compound uh, I'll be in the Texas Rangers compound It's Globe Life Field.
0: I won't be on Wednesday because I'll be en route to
1: yeah the ballpark. Yeah. So uh, a lot of stuff will shift to that, and I know a lot of folks are asking about the possibility of hosting a regional. Their chances have ratcheted up considerably, but they're not quite there yet. We'll talk more about that as the week goes forward, as well. I invite you to stay tuned. Now, Chad and Zay are coming up next. For our man behind the glass, a producer, Cam Parker. And for my co-host, Jeff Howe, I'm Craig Way. Thanks for joining us. We'll visit with you tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, right here on Light the Tower.